As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills win, albeit a lot uh, with a lot more emphasis than they did in their previous preseason game. They defeat the Chicago Bears 41 to 15. I just realized in saying the score that this is the second straight time the Bills allowed 15 points in the preseason game because they beat the, the Lions 16 to 15. But anyway, they beat the Bears 41 to 15. It was a game that was not close. It was Mitchell Trubisky's revenge game, and we only say that with about uh, 62% tongue-in-cheek. Um, and the Bills definitely looked the part, both on offense and defense. You know, they got their special teams in order with Marquez Stevenson returning a punt for a touchdown. Um, so there's a lot of things to get to from this game. So first, we'll uh, we'll we'll let. Uh, Matthew Fairburn, kick us off with with the uh, what impressed you most about the revenge game? Because that uh, I know we we were kind of coordinating with our with our uh, guys at the Athletic, the Bears writers, uh, Kevin Fishbane and Adam Johns, and you know the, <laughs> they were both kicking around the idea of whether or not they wanted to write about Mitch and whether or not Bears fans wanted to hear it. But I'm not sure that they had any other choice today. Yeah, it was it was a good showing for Mitchell Trubisky, and and sort of something that we thought might happen where the Bills coaching staff put him in a position to have this type of game by throwing the ball a lot. Uh, you know, Brian Dable cooked things up and, and got the offense rolling. You know, the idea of a revenge game in the preseason is always, um, you know, a little bit of an eye roller, but you could also tell that this meant a little something to Mitchell Trubisky, the way he was smiling, having fun out there. Uh, the way guys were talking about it during the week and tiptoeing around the subject a little bit, it's impossible to not go to go to the place where you played for four years, the the place where you've got undoubtedly a little bit of bad feelings about how things ended and, and the way things went. Look, through no fault necessarily of, you know, nobody has all the blame there, right? You know, the Bears didn't set him up necessarily to succeed, but Trubisky also didn't play all that well uh, and didn't really cement himself as a franchise quarterback. But 
I think you're going to go into that stadium and feel a certain way, even if it's the preseason. So, you know, he had quite the game. And I think there was sort of a, a team bonding moment, um, you know, with, with the whole thing. Guy, he mentioned a lot how guys supported him throughout the week and they had his back. And guys seemed pretty genuinely excited that Mitchell Trubisky played the way that he did in his old stadium. Sean McDermott uh, even mentioned, you know, that that it was, you know, kind of a big deal. So to me, I think, you know, pretty cool, pretty cool day for Mitchell Trubisky and more importantly for the Bills, really cemented himself as a quality number two option mm-hmm. that we didn't really get to see last week. He, he's looked decent in training camp. And, you know, this kind of further cemented the fact that he's a really good number two and the guys behind him, um, you know, there's quite a bit of distance between him and them. Yeah. And also the fact if uh, the Bills go and uh, they, they go through the course of the entire 2021 season, and they don't have to use Mitchell Trubisky at all because Josh Allen remains healthy. This is a heck of a showing that leaves a lasting impression with people um, that might want to sign him in the following offseason. So that could be potentially fruitful, uh, the, the, moving it towards that way. But um, just keeping it where it is, you, you can definitely tell this is an upgrade over Matt Barkley. Um, he looked in rhythm with what they were trying to do. You know, it's it's pretty interesting with Trubisky because a lot of what he does well is some timing underneath stuff. He'll take the occasional deep ball, um, deep ball shot, and you know he's actually pretty good at at throwing the deep ball. Um, but it's past those those short targets that really seems to give him some trouble from time to time. And the Bears weren't trying to take away the short stuff at all. Like they were playing off. Uh, there, were, there was just so much room to roam on the underneath area. And he just hammered it again and again and again and again. And it really goes to show what uh, the Bills could look like if Allen did have to miss any time. Or if it was week 18 and the Bills didn't necessarily need Allen to play, then, uh, then you know, they could trust Mitchell Trubisky with the ball and and figured that they could have a competent offense, which was in question last year uh, with Matt Barkley. Like you just kind of held your breath every time the Bills um, would allow a sack. Like remember the Raiders game last year when he went down with what looked to be a shoulder injury and and. Uh, I, I'm I, collectively, I think Bills fans were just like, oh no, oh God, they started off so well. What's happening here? And then Allen, of course, comes back and plays, but that was a, oh crap, what's happening for, for a lot of fans out there. But I think this year they would still get that feeling, but it wouldn't be as extreme of a feeling because Trubisky at the very least gives you a baseline to where, is he one of the, the best 32 starters in the NFL? Maybe. He's probably somewhere between like 26 and 38, I think would be a fair assessment of what Mitchell Trubisky is as a quarterback in the NFL. And that's good enough to win if you have the the right pieces around him. And the Bills feel like they have the right pieces around him. So this was a a good showing for for all those reasons. Yeah. And you mentioned having the right pieces around him. It should be noted, Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley didn't play in this game. Yep, so, true. you know, the those pieces weren't even out there, really. I mean, Dawson Knox played, and then it was Jake Kumaro, Isaiah McKenzie, 
Gabriel Davis doing most of the work. Really, McKenzie was was the one getting a ton of of work. Seven catches, seventy two yards, I believe. He finished yeah, all with. the short stuff for McKenzie. Yeah, he was you know serving in that Cole Beasley type of role, and you know these are the guys that Mitchell Trubisky has worked with most in practice. So it you know was to his benefit in some ways that these were the guys out there. But you would think in a regular season game with the receivers that the Bills have with Brian Dable throwing out a regular season game plan, they could get by with this guy. And Mm -hmm. to your point, I really don't think they were, they would have been a completely different team with Matt Barkley under center if they had been forced into that scenario more often. And now, look, you're not, no team in the NFL is really, confident in surviving a long-term injury to their starting quarterback you know that's those starting quarterbacks are so hard to find and when you have one there's usually a pretty big gap between him and the next guy if it were easy to find a good backup every team would have one but I think the Bills probably feel a lot better about surviving any sort of short-term absence from their starting quarterback even if it's for a half in an important game or a few weeks in the middle of the season where they're mm-hmm. fighting for seeding. They don't want a Josh Allen injury like that to cost them any sort of ground in their quest to get to the ultimate goal of a Super Bowl. And it seems like a stretch in some ways to say that Mitchell Trubisky gets them closer to that, but he's an insurance he's a better insurance policy and he he safeguards against really the nightmare scenario for the Bills of Allen getting hurt. I don't think he has necessarily the ability to pull a Nick Foles, but you just really don't know because right. nobody would have said that about Nick Foles a few years ago when he led the Eagles all the way to the, the the Super Bowl. And really that was a combination of Nick Foles, some great play around him and some awesome play calling. So you could say that the formula is there for the Bills given Trubisky's pedigree, you know, he's got some talent as we we saw. And Brian Dable, you know, can can call the shots pretty well. So um, I'm not, you know, banking on Trubisky being a Foles 2.0 if it were to ever come to that. But I would say smart move by the Bills. And like you mentioned, if nothing else, this shows some other teams what he can do. Because in Mm -hmm. a best case scenario for the Bills, he doesn't have to touch the field in the regular season until... They're resting starters at the end of the year. And now this is just a little bit of a taste for other teams. And, you know, maybe they sign him away and the Bills could get some sort of compensatory pick. I don't think trading him is a very good option, uh, frankly, because yeah, unless a team gets really desperate to throw a high draft pick at the Bills and they could turn this small contract into like a, a day two pick, the the other quarterbacks do not look great uh davis mm-hmm. webb had a good game against the lions but a couple turnovers in this game jake Fromm hasn't stood out at all Mm-mm. it just feels like they don't even need to have three quarterbacks on the roster maybe keep one on the practice squad but if you're really intent on having quality backup quarterback you've got you've got your guy and, and you should definitely keep him yeah for sure and i mean the quarterbacks on the free agent market usually do a lot better than most positions so if Trubisky shows a baseline or if he has to play it all um, in the regular season and and shows somewhat of a of a similar tactic I mean heck Andy Dalton just got paid 
pretty good money to go to the Bears. And so, I mean, Trubisky's got a lot of starting experience. So that could happen and help them to maybe a third or fourth round compensatory pick if if it kind of leads out that way. All right, other than Trubisky, because we've spent a lot of time on the backup quarterback who probably won't play a lot this season. What on the offensive side of things stood out to you um, from a positive perspective? And then we'll go negative after that. I still think the the running backs are looking pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. Devin Singletary's touchdown run was a, a really great run. And that was all I really needed to see from him. You know, he had a few carries. You know, I'm not really looking at, at the stat line here. It's a run like that. For Matt Breida, it was a screen and run for 18-ish yards. Zach Moss had a nice gain up the middle that was almost a touchdown. I think those moments, those flashes from those guys – gives you some semblance of belief that they can piece together a decent running game with the three of these guys at different times, you know, showing up. And I don't know, fantasy owners are probably giving Reggie Gilliam a certain look after this game, (laughs) two goal line carries, two touchdowns, a couple of short yardage, short yardage conversions for first downs. Then he got some work uh, late in the game and was, uh, you know, finding some running room. I don't think he'll be their goal line back in the regular season. Yeah, probably not. Mostly because when Josh Allen's on the field, he's one of the most dangerous weapons down there, throwing and running. But I also wouldn't put it past the Bills to keep a fullback and to find little ways for him to steal touchdowns uh, here and there. Uh, no, I will not be drafting him in any of my fantasy leagues. But uh, <laughs> Are you sure? I have a feeling he will not be 0.0% owned. Um, uh, in some of these uh, various platforms throughout the year, but yeah, I liked the, I liked the the running game as a whole. I yeah. thought the the moments from those guys, you know, regardless of what the the raw numbers said, they each had some really nice runs, and I think that is something that the Bills needed to see. And from Devin Singletary, it's now two weeks in a row in these preseason mm-hmm. games that we've seen it with a fair amount of starters on the field too, right? He's not, you know, running through backups and, and piling up numbers. He's out there uh, when it sort of matters, um, you know, if it can matter at all in the preseason. And that's encouraging because, you know, we hear a lot of talk in the offseason about guys getting themselves in shape and, you know, being ready for, you know, bounce back years. And, you know, you can tell that Singletary has the makings of a guy that could turn it into something during the regular season. And uh, I think that could be a a nice thing in general for the Bills offense. And I mentioned McKenzie too. He was, uh, he had a pretty nice day offensively, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, had the fumble on the punt return, bounced back with a nice long punt return and and Sean McDermott loved, you know, the way that he bounced back. So I think he erased any uh, doubt that maybe was out there when he, when he fumbled that ball. So a few bright spots on offense outside of just the Trubisky show. Yeah. uh, I agree with you on the running backs. I think Singletary on that 14 yard touchdown, which by the way, Jake Kumro had a, had a great block on that play that, that helped spring him a little bit. Uh, offensive line didn't do him any favors, which it probably should have been a loss on the play, but to Singletary's credit, made a guy miss, was able to to get out in the open field and away he went for a touchdown. So that was an ideal run. And, you know, Singletary, even though he has gotten himself into better shape and reformatted his body a bit here, 
Um, he's still not super quick, but he's quicker. And I think that's the most important part, that he's quicker. And if he's more decisive in getting up the field a lot earlier than he was or what he did in 2020, then that will make a, a legitimate difference for them. With Zach Moss, you know, saw him power through contact in, you know, one of his few carries that he had. I think he had four total. Um, showed showed some good burst on his 11-yard uh, rush, and you, you like to see that from him. So um, those are two guys that... You know, you don't know how it's going to shake out. I don't know anyone that could sit there and say, oh, this guy is performing better than this guy now. You know, early on, I would before the preseason games came around, I would say, you know, Moss probably has looked a bit better than Singletary. But the preseason games have shown that Singletary still has some game left. So I kind of think it's still up in the air. And that's what fantasy football owners don't want to hear. But, you know, that's what the Bills want to hear. And that's what's most important to them. I will say on Gilliam, you, you brought up an interesting point on him. I think this Sweeney injury might pave the way for Gilliam to make the roster, um, especially if they throw Sweeney on IR to begin the year. You know, he was in a walking boot at certain points this past week in practice. We'll see what what happens there. But I can't see the Bills hanging on to, you know, four plus a tight end slash fullbacks this year. It just there's just not a strength in the position. So there could be something for Gilliam there, especially with his special teams. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, one positive I wanted to bring up from the offensive side of things, I really like the way this guy played, and he's had a rough time of it this summer. That's Spencer Brown. Um, they started him at right tackle, and he looked he looked like he was actually comfortable in that spot. And it's weird because he hasn't really played there much this summer, but for him getting that start and getting a couple of series, he looked good over there. And he even had to block Khalil Mack a couple of times. Now, I don't know if Khalil Mack was going full Khalil Mack today. Uh, well, I don't really know the Bears were going 100% as as a, an entire team in, in this game, at least the, the first units. But there was one play where Mack kind of lost his edge and Brown was right there with him no matter what. And, and Mack uh, kind of stumbled and... And Brown drove him into the ground. It, I don't know if it equates to a pancake, but it was still an impressive rep. He looked athletic. He looked like uh, he was comfortable. Even when he he flipped over to the left side, he was still giving some some good reps uh, on on his uh, on that one drive. He was over there. Now that's the good part. The bad part is that he suffered a knee injury, and this is this was the big. Uh, one of the two big negatives from the offensive side of things, at least to me, was that he suffered a knee injury. We don't know any details on it just yet. 
Um, Tommy Doyle also suffered a knee injury and was declared out during the game. We don't have details on that yet, but if both of those guys have to miss time, this puts you in a tough spot because we have sat here talking about the offensive tackle depth for a while on this podcast, and they were entrusting it basically in two rookies and Brown and Doyle, less, less so Doyle, but Brown was supposed to be their, their marquee reserve offensive tackle. And if he has to miss time, then you're in a spot where maybe you have to keep Bobby Hart. And that is probably not something Bills fans want to hear. And quite frankly, that's probably not something the Bills want to think about. But I mean, it, this this was, you know, we'll have to see how, how what happens here in the next couple of weeks with, with those injuries. But yeah, not, not great. No, yeah. If they have, any long-term you know concern over spencer brown's injury that's a problem Big time. Uh, we've we've mentioned the offensive tackle depth quite a bit bobby hart you know another penalty tonight i believe or this afternoon rather um he's just not an he, nfl player he's a practice squad player but he's not an active roster guy right now yeah he's he's just not good enough he yeah now I think Spencer Brown is projecting, you know, injury aside, projecting as a pretty interesting swing tackle because I agree. he got a lot of reps at left tackle. Didn't necessarily look great, but he's also a guy that didn't play football last year. When they picked him, you know, it was pretty clear that he was uh, going to be, you know, a bit of a developmental project in some ways. Uh, less of a project than Tommy Doyle, uh, mm-hmm. just more of a, a prospect, a projection, a guy that you know, needed a little bit of time. If he's more comfortable on the right side, that's probably best long-term anyways. You know, with the way Darrell Williams' contract is structured, you know, they can move on from that in a year or two. and Or move him into guard. Or move him into guard. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be another option considering some of the problems they've had at guard. Uh, If he's still comfortable playing there at the price tag they paid him, it wouldn't be unreasonable to put him at guard. And, you know, certainly Brown's too tall to do that. So uh, he, you know, fits at right tackle and he got a lot of reps at left tackle. He's probably more comfortable there now than he was three weeks ago. So, you know, that's what you want from your swing tackle. And they do have to hope he's healthy. He was up and standing on the sideline. It looked like in the second half on the broadcast, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, hopefully for their sake, he's okay because the depth already was not great, but I will say after this game and really after the last week or so, certainly they don't want to lose Deion Dawkins. Uh, that much was clear in the first few weeks of camp, but I think they could survive short term a little bit with Spencer Brown and have him learn on the job. He's not great at left tackle, but you know, he was, he's, they could certainly survive it easier if it were Daryl Williams than Deion Dawkins, but Dawkins looked pretty good too, you know, watched him, you know, pretty closely to, to see how, how it was going. And, you know, it's always tough, uh, without, you know, rewatching and, and, you know, looking closer, but, you know, he looked winded a little bit at the end of some of those long drives, which I think is to be expected of almost any offensive lineman at the end of some of those long drives. Um, but the progress he's made from the moment, Sean McDermott said he had a long way to go until now, I think is encouraging for the Bills. And I'd say the offensive line on the edges provided Spencer Brown avoided serious injury. It's less of a a concern than it was 
you know, a little bit earlier in training camp. The interior is still a little bit, a little bit murky, but mm-hmm. they have, you know, they have a good center and they've got three decent guards that hopefully they can find a, a combo of that they feel comfortable with. But, you know, I think the tackle situation is getting a, a little bit better as long as everybody stays healthy. Yeah, the guards are an issue right now in my mind. And, you know, we, we have also touched on this before, but in getting another uh, another example of why it could be an issue is watching Cody Ford and Ike Butker. Basically, they basically played the entire first half. You know, uh, Butker didn't play the first drive um, as Feliciano played left guard. Cody Ford, Cody Ford played right guard on the second drive. Um, Butker came in for Ford, and then the rest of the way in the first half, it was Butker at left guard and Ford at right guard. So basically, we got a full first half from from both of those guys. And the Bills passed the ball a lot in the first half, 28 times, or at least 28 attempts that were accounted for. And just watching them, I, I, I kept a pretty close eye on them as well. It was not great. Um, Butker is really struggling as a pass blocker and that's an issue uh, because Cody Ford hasn't really had a great time of it either but Cody Ford's probably a little bit more advanced to where Butker is at this point and then Feliciano has uh, his biggest struggles come as a uh, as a pass blocker and he's also dropped a ton of weight and so you're losing that potential power you have in the run game so you have these three guys all with huge question marks as pass blockers as a on a pass first offense and and you know no one has really asserted themselves as a potential locked in starter to this point and you only have one preseason game to go so this is this is something that they're going to have to think about and what they want their offense to look like and hope beyond all hopes that Cody Ford kind of kind of kicks it into gear here but you know it's it's looking like he's very much the part of an average to below average starting offensive lineman. And it's still early, so he could turn it around. You never know. Um, you know, the, there there are have been some examples of where guys, you know, turn on the light, turn it on as soon as uh, the lights go on of the regular season. But this is his third season now, and we've gotten to know what Cody Ford kind of is and isn't when he's been on the field and healthy. And the pass blocking has not come around so far. And and you know that that could be a legitimate legitimate issue for this team moving forward. Yeah, I think the hope in the building has to be that the sum will be greater than the parts when mm-hmm. it's all together on the field because, you know, they have three really capable starters at left tackle, right tackle and center and you know, hoping that they can get by with average guard play, frankly. And they hope average, for average most week. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's average most weeks, they'll probably consider that a win. And maybe the same two guys don't start all year, probably won't be the same two guys starting all year. Ryan Bates could get a crack at it because I think he's played pretty well. Yeah, he's uh, looked good at know. center, man. He played the whole first half at center uh, again against the Bears. So, you know, they could find a way to make him, you know, uh, he can play guard, he can do it. So... They could find a way to get him involved if things aren't going well. I think they're going to give Cody Ford every chance to hang on to that job. To a lesser extent, I feel the same way about John Feliciano, that their mm-hmm. you know, tie goes to the guy that is good in the room and uh, who Josh Allen really likes. But uh, 
they're not the most inspiring. It's not the most inspiring three-way competition that that's happening there um, to this point. And like you said, there's not much of the competition left really at this point. I, I mean, you're going to play the third preseason game, but if you don't have an answer now, then you're probably just not feeling very excited about the answer, which mm-hmm. uh, it would be hard to blame them if that's the case, because it's not, it's not the best situation, but I also think it's something they can get by on given what they have around those guys and that we've seen each of them individually play decent at times. They just haven't really found it, you know, at, at this point in the preseason. So I'll be interested to see once, like you said, the regular season comes around, intensity goes up where these guys are because two of those guys, at least Feliciano and Ford really rely on that intensity. And I think that could work in their favor, but yeah, they need, they're going to need somebody to, to step up and, and grab those jobs, you know, in, in these last few practices uh, of camp, or maybe they'll take that competition right into the, the preseason finale, which should be a humdinger next weekend at, <laughs> at, uh, at Highmark stadium. It, it, it's still kind of, and I won't belabor this point too much, but still kind of blows my mind that Feliciano dropped all this weight and it wasn't part of the Bills plan. Like that, that's just, just, you know, they, they, they signed him to be a certain thing and, you know, he's just, he's about 20 pounds less of, of what he was last year, if, if not more. And that, you know, it it could help him with his quickness or whatnot, but, but yeah, he just kind of did it on his own. Yeah. That's a, I, you know, whether it helps him or not, I just think it's an odd thing for a yeah. guy who's spent a couple of seasons with a team, signs a new contract with a team, and drops that amount of weight at that position without... Think about the conversations they had about A.J. Epinesa. Mm-hmm. There were... I was When I was talking to A.J. Epinesa this spring and Leslie Frazier was talking about him, you know... They're down to like the pound on what they want Epinesa at, right? It's like, oh, he's at two, he was at 252 and we'd really like him at 258, you know, which doesn't seem like a lot. Or like when Star came back and he's like, yeah, I'm about, you know, six to eight pounds lighter than I want to be. Like it is important, you know, Mm -hmm. to the pound. 20 pounds is a lot. Mm -hmm. Deion Dawkins lost 15 pounds and he had COVID. Um, you know, so 20 pounds is significant weight. To I drop. think with Feliciano, it's more than 20. I was, I was just being cautious with, with the amount, but I think it's a little bit higher than 20. He said, I think he said 20, 25, whatever it was. I know, Somewhere I know he was playing 20. at 330 and he's close to like 300, 305 right now. Yeah. It's just a, a bold thing to do mm-hmm. when it was not specifically requested, uh, mm-hmm. which is what Brian Dable said. Um, so I don't know. We'll see if it makes him a better player, I guess. And then, you know, he'll he'll have the last laugh or if he can gain some of it back. I don't know. But it is a a, a strange thing to to see him do that with without a specific ask. It's just a yeah, a big part of his game is mm-hmm. is power. And we'll see if he still has it. Yep. All right. On to the defensive side of the ball. Um, we'll, we'll again start off with with things that kind of stood out from a good perspective. Uh, I'm going to go kind of off the radar a little bit. Um, 
I was really impressed by Cam Lewis in this game. And I know that's not a guy that we talk about a ton um, on the podcast. And, and he had a if, great week of practice. He had a great week of practice. And the, his usage in this game was especially interesting. They started him at left cornerback um, for the first three drives. And then for the next uh, four drives up until the end of the first half, they switched him to nickel. They kind of, you know, just had him and Saran Neal switch roles. And I thought Cam Lewis was great in this game. Like he was, he was good at physicality, good at coverage. Um, it showed that the the size differential of what they usually look for in their boundary corners wasn't that big of an issue. Um, and again, in at nickel, which is his home position. Um, he, he looked the part again, and it has me wondering, especially considering Saran Neal and his difficulties, not only on that one bad beat, um, where he got beat for a 73 yard touchdown over the top, uh, where he lost, uh, on the release and then couldn't, uh, and then had the ball caught right over his helmet and then let the guy go. Um, he's also had difficulties covering people in the slot uh, when, when he's had those chances, and it has me wondering if Cam Lewis, who, by the way, they went out of their way to um, bench Taron Johnson in favor of him last year, only for a hand injury to uh, to take Cam Lewis's chance away, only 10 snaps into his first start at nickel corner. It, it has me wondering if Cam Lewis is going to be one of those surprise 53-man roster guys, considering the lack the lack of depth in total at cornerback, and with the, with the difficulties of Saran Neal at that corner spot if you have to get um, five corners deep. Because I don't know that you're going to get Cam Lewis to the practice squad anymore. I mean, it's it, he he is the one that is shining through the rest, and he's been there all along, and he isn't the, the shiny new rookie that they drafted, Rashad Wild Goose, or anything like that, but he's just been consistent he's versatile they trust him he knows the scheme i i think he's got a shot here yeah he moves all over the place he had a little bit of an injury in this game uh, it looked like minor they were yeah it looked like cramps yeah uh, on the sideline it was one of many injuries the bills uh went through in this game uh, to some of their depth guys but yeah cam lewis and rashad wild goose i think have separated them i know nick mcleod had the interception it was a bit of a gift from andy dalton um to me lewis and then behind him wild goose are the two that have separated themselves with their practice performance and then you know lewis and wild goose to an extent in the game uh, on saturday had the sort continued that um you know into the game so i I'm curious to see what they do at cornerback. You know, do mm-hmm. they add somebody? Levi Wallace didn't play, so it seems like he's probably the number two corner yep. at this point. Dane Jackson had a stinger, uh, left this game early. They can't afford too many injuries there. You know, Saran Neal's going to get beat up for that deep touchdown. I don't know. I I found it to be that's not where you want him anyways, right? You don't want him on the boundary. But that's the thing. They don't have the depth. Like they they, they have to have him there. So that's why Cam Lewis's performance is such a good thing for them. Yeah. They've been, you know, forcing Neil outside quite a bit, probably to train for that worst case scenario. But, you know, what he's going to bring to this defense is different than, you know, playing on the boundary and defending a deep shot like that without any safety help. So, yeah, I think, 
Lewis is making a case for them to keep six. And that was what I was waiting for, you know, after a week of camp. It was like, which one of these corners is going to step up? They have a late round pick in Wild Goose and then undrafted guys in Lewis, McLeod, uh, and Elijah Griffin. And yeah, you're right. Lewis is not new. He's not a rookie. And so, but I throw him into the same bucket in some ways, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you're all yeah, fighting for the same thing. You're all trying to convince this team to keep six corners. doesn't matter, you know, how long, how long you've been here. They're going to evaluate you all the same, but we know that they're going to favor a guy that they trust. And they have a lot more reason to trust Cam Lewis than they do uh, these other cornerbacks after the totality of what we've seen in practice and in, through two preseason games. So they might still have to add at cornerback, but the nature of that position with how many of them play and how many you go through over the course of the season, Lewis is probably going to find a home if you get rid of him. And you could probably say the same thing about Daryl Johnson at defensive end. He's starting mm-hmm. to play, you know, after a quiet start to camp, really turning it on and like man i don't know how you keep daryl johnson on this team you know i think in a alternate universe he's a guy that you know if the numbers game were different they've been developing him he was a nice little find in the seventh round probably not a future superstar but they've invested a lot of time developing this guy and he's showing some some signs of it you don't grade him on a curve because he's a seventh round pick but thinking about you know, being that late of a pick as a pass rusher and performing the way that he has and carving out the value on special teams. And then to see him get some pressures, it's like, man, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep this guy, but if they don't, somebody's going to find a home for him Mm -hmm. because, you know, guys that big are, you know, that can move that like that are hard to find. And, you know, Heath Farwell has, has made it pretty clear how valued he is on special teams. I know his performance was probably overshadowed by, Greg Rousseau getting another sack. Epinesa having yeah. the very uh, public manhandling of the Bears' left tackle. Uh, Boogie Basham had a nice second half. So there were mm-hmm. other performances to get excited about. But I saw some good things from Daryl Johnson, and he's in that Cam Lewis boat of uh, the difference is, you know, Cam Lewis is at a position where they could use any capable player they can find. And Daryl Johnson's at a spot where. They have more than they know what to do with. Yeah, uh, I'll kick it back to Johnson in just one second. I want—I did want to add something about um, the McLeod Wild Goose thing that I found kind of interesting. After Dane Jackson went out of the game, the guy who came in was not Wild Goose. It was McLeod. McLeod played the rest of the first half. It could be a case of because the Bills do left-right with their cornerbacks. It could be a case of because Wild Goose only played left corner um, in the second half of the game. And McLeod only played right corner, but it could that could be the case. But if the Bills were interested to see more of Wild Goose, I think maybe they would have split up those first half reps uh, just to just to see how he does out there. Because what's what's the worst that can happen um, at, at that point? So I did I did find it slightly interesting that they had McLeod uh, ahead of Wild Goose in 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 that respect. So we'll see how, how it uh, what comes of it. But I thought I, I thought McLeod helped himself today, not only with the interception but but some other good stuff too. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back to Johnson. Um, yeah, I I am having a tough time um, convincing myself that Daryl Johnson is not going to be on this team. I just the way that he has answered all of the adversity of the Bills adding three new defensive ends ahead of him and how he has performed in the training camp, the special teams staff raves about Daryl Johnson. You know, it it hasn't really been like a uh, they haven't really added too many other pieces to the special teams realm. So I just kind of sitting here wondering, what are they going to, how how do they do this thing? How do they keep Daryl Johnson on the roster? And I think they can do it. I think they can keep, this is, this is mad considering how NFL rosters are usually constructed. But I think they can keep 11 defensive linemen, only go with five linebackers and basically say, okay, Daryl Johnson is that sixth linebacker just as a defensive end because he's a special teams guy and, and go, go through it that way. If you only keep two quarterbacks or, and six receivers and three tight ends, you absolutely have a path to keep Daryl Johnson. So he's, he has played himself onto the roster at this point. And, you know, it, it, with how much they value him and how, how much they say people talk about him as a special teams guy, yeah, I just don't think that this team who backs up their words with with actions and what they feel about addressing special teams, I just don't know that they can sit there and take away one of their most trusted assets. So I previously had Daryl Johnson on the wrong side of the bubble, but with how he's played and what he means to the special teams units, I, I, I just I, I can't keep him off the, the 53 right now. I really can't. Yeah, it's. I think when you're considering the case of Daryl Johnson, you know, his value on special teams matters, but that means you're not only making a spot for him on the 53-man roster, you're making a spot for him on the game day roster Mm -hmm. uh, if you want him out there on teams, if he's that important. I think what he brings in 2021 is part of the equation, but I also think not wanting to lose that long-term asset that you've been developing is important here Yeah, because Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are not getting any younger and Mario Addison will be gone after this year. Jerry Hughes probably will not, but he could be, you never know. Uh, Mm -hmm. When players get to that age, you you just don't know when uh, their time will be done. Well, he's also free agent at the end of the year too. Right. So I think, it's a little bit of a, a question mark. I think they'd like to have him back uh, if he keeps playing this way, but 
Otherwise, you'd like to have Daryl Johnson around at that point. I think you've developed him. That's why you develop young, cheap players for those moments. And, you know, you're going to be hoping for some of these younger guys to take on bigger roles. So I don't think you want to abandon an asset like that when he's showing the signs of life that he is and when he's responding to the competition the way that he is, especially with how much they talk about competition and, you know, rave about the way guys respond to certain situations. He's answered every call and it would send a a clear message to that room and to the rest of the roster about what you can do to earn a spot despite what may happen in free agency or the draft. It will be tricky for them to add him. Perhaps an injury or two, you know, makes the numbers game a little bit easier. But like you said, because he plays on special teams and he's unusual in what he does on special teams for a defensive end, because of the way that he can move, I think you can justify moving on from a linebacker to make room yeah. for him. And at that position, you don't want to lose a promising player. And I don't want to overstate how promising Daryl Johnson is, but at the very least, he's looking like a decent fourth defensive end in your rotation mm-hmm. down the road. And, you know, you don't want to have to go through the whole cycle of drafting and developing again or throwing a dart at a free agent. Um, So I would not argue with them keeping him whatsoever. I think he's been uh, he's been a bright spot in camp for sure. Well, Addison is a free agent. Hughes is a free agent. F.A. Obata is a free agent. So that just that just uh, is another thing. And Daryl Johnson has another year of his rookie deal still to go. And they could probably sign him back for a pretty cost controlled deal if if they wanted to do that um, after his rookie contract is done. Like, are you really sitting there going, okay? you know what, just got to have Tyrell Adams or Tyrell Dodson on this roster. You absolutely need to have Joe Giles Harris on the roster over Daryl Johnson. Now, under no circumstance are you thinking in those in those ways just because of how highly valued the defensive end position is, how much he means to your special teams units and how he's done it over the last couple of years here. And, and certainly you... Odds are you are able to get back one, if not both, of Tyrell Adams and Tyrell Dodson uh, onto the practice squad if you really want to. And if you don't, it's a linebacker, and it's a depth linebacker, and neither of those guys are really going to make or break your team this year. Johnson could make a a big-time play on special teams, uh, and, and, could, and if there's some injuries at defensive end, could even become uh, ha- have some impact pass rushes, whereas Adams and Dotson probably never going to see the field at, at linebacker with, because you only use two of them. So I, I think that's how I would kind of kind of play that. All right, anything else that stood out from you about this game, whether it be good or bad thing? I think it's the the Bills probably were were pretty happy that Justin Zimmer was able to get back out on the field. I mean, that dude was an absolute monster again in this game. What else stood out for you? I mean, the punt return from Marquez Stevenson was really nice. Uh, And had he not gotten hurt and had Isaiah McKenzie not responded to his fumble the way that he did, I would have thought it opened the door for that competition, which was on its last legs. It felt like uh, we needed that undertaker uh gif of him popping his head out of the casket there with (laughs) stevenson you know pulling out that return all camp it's felt like stevenson has the most 
raw ability in the return game, but that they won't trust him enough because he's bobbled a few in practice. But that showed right there that that's another guy. Do you want to risk, you know, taking him off the roster when, you know, somebody's probably going to snatch him up? He's made put him on IR right now. Honestly, yeah. I mean, that could be the play, but also, isn't that a guy that could help this team with one or two of those during the season? I don't know. Yeah. He has a lot of ability as a return guy. I know it was late in a preseason game, but we see the speed every day in practice. You're probably best off, you know, developing him long term, saving the roster spot, going with McKenzie, you know. But all these conversations we're having, whether it's whether it's him, Daryl Johnson, Cam Lewis, circles back to the idea that I, I'm pretty entrenched at this point that they can't keep three quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, they, they should probably just keep the two to give themselves flexibility. At, it's not going to solve every problem, every numbers game issue that they have, but it will at least give them some wiggle room. And they might be able to, to keep fewer offensive linemen than they have in the past too mm-hmm. um, because it's looking like they have fewer capable NFL players there than they've had in the past. So I think they can you know find a way to make it work with a few of these guys that have stood out we'll see what happens with stevenson's injury x-rays came back negative uh, but the injury could pose a little bit of a, a problem for him trying to make the team it was just that that moment that i was expecting at some point because he's just that fast and mm-hmm. and, and you know really a prolific returner in college and it would be a real bonus for them if he could be the answer at returner and develop into some sort of speed threat at receiver. But, you know, it was, uh, it's probably still going to be tough to find a role for him in 2021. I mean, honestly, it, it, it would be a short-term loss to put him on injured reserve right now. But they only have Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie signed to the one season. And they have Marquez Stevenson on a four-year rookie deal. So if you put him on IR, then you have cost-controlled for the next three years. And you have a potential solution, cost-controlled solution, which is, uh, as a six-round pick, is usually under a million dollars per season uh, as a cap hit uh, for a kick returner and punt returner role. You develop in the back him in the background this year, and then you've, you've got your answer moving forward as an organic solution as opposed to, as opposed to having to go out and get that guy. So this, I think it's, I don't know. I, it feels like it's kind of imperative that that they do it because that way they can keep Kumaro. They can um, they can keep Kumaro on the active roster because he's clearly someone that they trust in special teams. And you know they gave him a lot of run with Mitchell Trubisky today, and that's that's it. It seems like Kumaro is in a pretty good spot right now. And Stevenson, you can put him on IR. Isaiah Hodgins, if he's still injured, you can potentially put him on IR as well. Maybe you cut him, subject him to waivers since he didn't really stand out too much in that um, in that first preseason game. Uh, but I, I, I think it would be long-term because you do trust McKenzie enough to be your kick and punt return guy this year. Long-term, it is in your best interest to put Stevenson on IR right now. And McKenzie has that that same, you know, yeah. game breaking ability. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a little. There's a little extra juice, I think, with Stevenson. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, I don't think would admit that, but uh, it's <laughs> certainly there. And he he looks like 
they have a lot of this going for them where they have these long term, you know, whether it's a potential backup, whether it's a potential rotational player, or in this case, kind of a specialist uh, return niche role where they, you know, develop them a year before they need them. And that's mm-hmm. the luxury of having a deep roster and a, and a talented starting lineup. And, you know, I think you can point to a few examples at safety. You can point, you know, a- across the roster of cases where they've done it. Not always been successful, but uh, Stevenson looks like looks like a, a potential find at that spot, provided they can keep him on the roster with all the maneuvering they're going to have to do in a couple weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think uh, we've pretty uh, completely covered what what happened. Oh, um, thought Demar Hamlin looked good today. Uh, I thought it, it, you know, as, whereas Josh Tam- Josh Thomas looked good in the against the Lions. I thought Demar Hamlin uh, had had a nice game in this one. Had plenty of playing time. Uh, him and Thomas started at safety. Uh, Hamlin played all but two defensive. Uh, series the entire game he played on 11 out of 13 so a pretty pretty hefty workload for him thomas played a bunch too but you know they they wanted to see what they had in hamlin and i thought it thought he came out well all right um any any uh fond words of farewell before we say hello to the final preseason week of the year and you know, leading up to the final preseason game of the year, see if the Bills can continue their undefeated streak and, you know, stay unbeaten in the preseason. Uh, they haven't been beaten since 2018. So any any fond words of farewell before we get, get to that point? I've got nothing. I'm looking forward to, to seeing uh, everybody back at the stadium. And, yeah, You know, a little true. preseason finale action. Uh, regular season right around the corner. We've We've almost made it. Those were fond words of hello, not farewell, because we'll, we'll be seeing a, a pretty full stadium for the first time in quite some time. Uh, you know, the practices were pretty well attended, but it won't be anything quite like a preseason game, which won't be anything quite like the regular season game against the Steelers. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscalia. If you haven't yet, please head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat and and get yourself subscribed to The Athletic where you can read all of uh, the thoughts, analysis, um, features that we do on the individual players of the Bills. Um, You can read all of Tim Graham's stuff, fascinating work on the stadium and and all the features that he writes, John Vogel on the Sabres because they'll be kicking into gear pretty soon here. And, you know, that, that Jack Eichel guy is still a pretty big topic of conversation. Premier League just started. We've got a bunch of writers on on that side of the pond. Uh, uh, Hockey's going to kick in. NBA NBA is is happening. NFL season. Fantasy football. Basically anything you want. Just head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat and subscribe today. All right. So for Matt, I'm Joe. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week after the Bills play the Packers for their final preseason game of 2021. See you then.